One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the kind parenting company, wife, proud mom of twin boys, and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Welcome to the very first podcast. I'm so excited to be finally sitting down and getting my teeth sunk into this project. I am a massive, massive podcast fan. I listen to one every day. I love it. I love that you can listen to audio and get on with your life. And so I've wanted to create this podcast for the longest time and now it's happening. So welcome. The very first episode today is not going to be super, super long, but it is going to be about a topic that I feel really, really passionate about. And that topic is happiness. In particular, happiness for women and mothers and understanding and unlocking that happiness is a choice. It's a choice that we need to make every single day. For some reason, growing up, I was never taught this. I had this preconceived notion in my mind that happiness was really dependent upon a set of circumstances or luck. I didn't realize that you had to actively seek happiness and that that power was within your control. I remember growing up and in my teens just thinking some people are happy, some people are unhappy and that's just the way it is. I never really was taught any differently and it's something that I really do strive to teach our kids that happiness, whilst yes, it can be dependent on circumstances such as your health and living conditions and things like that that are out of your control at times, it actually really, really is so much more controllable than we may first think. It wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I had hit a really, really low place. I had been diagnosed with depression. I had been struggling with a really severe eating disorder for a long time, and I was finally seeking the help that I needed. And whilst sometimes when I reflect, I don't know whether I was depressed with an eating disorder or whether my depression was a side effect of my eating disorder, because it's hard to think clearly And it's hard to be happy when you're starving your body and your mind. But either way, it doesn't really matter. What matters is I had gotten to such a low, low place that I really didn't want to live. And I made a promise to myself that I was going to spend a year really, really trying to get myself back on track. And so back on track meant that I really didn't want to be living in this low state, this low mood of hating myself, feeling miserable having continual waves of negative emotions. And I was lucky enough to connect with a therapist who specialized in cognitive behavioral therapy. And it really, really did change my life. And whilst I'm certainly not a CBT specialist and I I won't endeavor to even go down that path, I do think that if anyone out there who is listening is struggling with depression or low mood, looking into CBT may be really, really beneficial for you. During my time working on myself, I really started to just scratch the surface 
of owning my own happiness and not tying it up in other people. But I will say it wasn't until maybe seven years later when I became a mother that I really, really understood what it meant to take ownership for myself. I remember when the boys were born, on one hand, I felt so um, so fulfilled, so happy, so in love, so content. But then on the other hand, I was experiencing feelings of losing touch with myself, feeling sad, feeling resentful at times, um, resentful of Matt, my husband, because he was able to go to work. And in many ways, I craved like that stability that he had, that he could walk out the door and go and connect with other adults. And, um, you know, I'm sure for him, well, I know that for him, that was incredibly hard to walk out the door when, when we had newborn twins. But there was a part of me that was like, oh, like you get to leave, like you don't have to stay here. Um, you know, and then there was another part of me that was incredibly grateful that I was the one that got to stay there. And so it's this real sort of juxtaposition, this tug of war of going, I'm so happy, but I'm also experiencing these other emotions and feelings that are really hard as well. And when the boys were a couple of months old, I had a realization that from the moment my feet hit the floor every single morning until the minute that I went to bed that night, and even after I was in bed that night, because we all know that Babies don't sleep through from a really young age, or some do, but most don't from a very, very young age. And even if they do sleep through, often you can't shut off your mind as a parent. There's always things to do, whether it's getting up to pump throughout the night, sterilizing, checking on them, dream feeding, all of the stuff. It doesn't actually end when it's your bedtime. It feels like it never ends. And so for 24 hours a day, it felt like every waking thought and sometimes even my sleeping thoughts because I would dream about it would be consumed, totally consumed by these beautiful baby boys of ours. And that's how I wanted it to be. I wanted to be that mum that was with them full time. I was doing exactly what I wanted, but I realized that in the process I had completely, completely, wholly and solely stopped looking after myself. And it was creating a dangerous space that was allowing resentment to creep in. Once resentment starts to creep in, it's so hard to get it out and it really festers into other negative emotions. And I'm sure that a lot of new parents can relate to this. There's almost this sense of grieving your past life, your freedom to just walk out the door easily, your freedom to sleep in, just everything has changed. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to say it out loud because they feel poorly about saying it out loud. And maybe it's not the case for everyone But I know that for myself and for a lot of parents that I've spoken with and worked with, it does take some adjusting to get your head around the fact that you have this human that is entirely your responsibility and it's just a lot to process. And so you have all of these conflicting emotions and I realized that I had to actually start doing something for myself. I couldn't keep ignoring myself. I could no longer keep living on peanut butter on toast, I had to actually start putting effort into making sure that I was feeling okay because yes, the boys were making me happy. I was happy to be a mum, and I looked at them and I just felt sheer joy. There is nothing that can compare to seeing your baby or your baby smile and laugh and grow. It's so special. And I would feel that. I would look at them and I would just, you know, swell with pride. But I also realized that they could not 
be my only sense, my only source of happiness because that is just too much pressure for a baby. They cannot be the sole, like the sole person, the sole people that are responsible for making me happy. They can't do that and no one can do that for you. And I remember just having that clear moment of going, okay, so I can't actually rely on them to be all that makes me happy. I need to rely on myself. What can I do to make myself feel happier, to feel brighter? And obviously with newborn twins, I mean, they were three months old around this time. It's not likely that I can go off and do anything grand or extravagant. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave the boys. So I realized that I needed to create a list, a list of things that really, really made me happy. And for some reason, I chose the number 10. It just seemed like a good number. And I made a little pact to myself that I would write out, make a list of 10 things that I could do from home or close by that really did make me feel happy. And so I sat down one night while Matt was at work to write this list out. And I realized that I was so out of touch with what even made me happy. I could not get 10 things down on paper that night. I started just jotting things down and then I would feel silly and think, oh, does that make me happy? Is it sad that that's what makes me happy? And I was judging myself. And then I realized, okay, no, that's not getting me anywhere. Just be honest with yourself. What makes you smile? What makes you feel happy? Write it down. And so it wasn't anything big or huge. I think sometimes we can get a little caught up and we can think that, you know, happiness is a big wedding or it's an overseas holiday or it's the brand new house or anything like that. And yes, sure, those things do bring you happiness momentarily, but they're not going to fill your happiness cup up every single day. One of my favorite quotes of all time is success is the sum of small habits repeated day in and day out. And I just think that that needs to apply to cultivating happiness. Now, the definition of cultivation is to maintain and grow. And I just think that's such a beautiful word to pair with happiness. Maintain your happiness, grow your happiness. Focus on cultivating it in your everyday life. And so for me, I made this list, this list of 10 things that I could do from home. And it was simple. It was very basic. It was things like read a novel. It had been such a long time since I had read an actual story. I had been so caught up in parenting that all I was reading was parenting studies and evidence-based parenting methods and content surrounding that. And I just needed a little escape. I needed to remind myself that, hey, before the kids, you actually really enjoyed sitting down with a good book and escaping in that way. So that was on my list. A couple of other things that I remember writing down were lighting a really nice candle. I've always been someone who just takes pleasure in having a really nice candle burning every single night. So just doing that as like a little nod towards, hey, this is something that you like and sure, no one else in the house really cares, but you care. So that was on there. I also had popping a face mask on, time to myself, exercising, just things like that. So really, really not extravagant by any stretch of the imagination, all things that I could do from home. 
and some things that I could pair together. So on my list, having time alone, I could pair that with exercise. I could get up before the boys woke up each morning and I could have 20 minutes to myself while I exercised in the garage and that was killing two birds with one stone. I think that so many parents, we fall out of touch with the things that make us happy and we stop giving ourselves permission to tap into those. So having a list of those 10 things or however many that you can think of that you can turn to and use that as a guideline is really, really powerful. And for me, when they were three months old and I made that list, I made a pact to myself that every single day I would do at least one of those things. And if I could do more than one, amazing. But at the very bare minimum, just one. And the flow-on effect that this had for our household was phenomenal. Happiness is proven to be contagious. When one person in the family becomes happier, it often rubs off on the other family members. So whilst I can't say that at such a young age I noticed a difference in our boys, I definitely noticed a difference in my husband, Matt. It was like by me owning my happiness and not projecting resentment onto him and also not making him the keeper of my happiness, it allowed him to do the same as well. Because just like with your kids, you can't rely upon your partner wholly and solely to be the gatekeeper of your happiness. The magic happens in relationships when two people come together who are happy as individuals, not two people coming together relying heavily on the other person to make them happy. Because just like with your kids, it is far too much pressure to put on someone else. So by me doing those little things for myself, I started to feel so much better and it gave Matt, I guess, permission to do things for himself as well. And that resentment that had been festering fizzled out really, really quickly. Because when you understand that happiness begins and ends with you and take ownership for it, there's no room to feel resentment towards anyone else in your household. You start to feel just so much better about yourself. So I want to encourage anyone who's listening today to carve out some time to sit down and write out 10 things that you can do for yourself and commit to doing one of those every single day. And I know it can seem huge and overwhelming to do that, but remind yourself of that quote that I mentioned earlier. Success is the sum of small habits repeated day in and day out. Small habits add up. If you can change the sum of your days, if you can change the trajectory of one of your days, you can change your whole life. And just remember that happiness is not a set of perfect circumstances. It is a pursuit. It's a quest. It's those daily habits and making them happen. For me, to make them happen, I need to get up earlier before the kids, before they wake up and before they start needing things from me. So I do get up quite early every day just to get those little things in, but it makes the world of difference. Losing 20 minutes of sleep, half an hour or an hour of sleep to get your happiness practices in each day really is a very small sacrifice because what you'll find is you're so much happier and you have so much more energy throughout the day. Now you don't have to get up early to get your happiness practices in. You can squeeze them 
into your day wherever you can, whether it's during your baby's nap, during your commute to work, on your lunch break, whatever it is, or if you're a night owl at night. Just make sure it happens. One thing I will mention though is amongst all of my conversations with women, I've noticed that the women who do get some happiness practices in at the start of the day are more likely to keep up with that practice because often by the end of the day, there's too much on our plate. We look around the house and we have too many things to do, whether it's physically we have too many things to do or even just mentally we have too much to do. We've got all of the day's happenings to unpack in our brains. We've got all of these tabs opened that we might not actually stop and do the things that we want to do for ourselves. So I do recommend doing it in the morning or at least trying to do it in the morning and see how you go. It's also worth mentioning that happier people tend to have better immune systems as well. So there's another reason to make the time to look after your own happiness. It's also great to set the example for little ones in your life. Whether you have kids or not, it's great to just be that example and yeah, just own your happiness. So I would love to see your list of 10 things that you're going to start doing for yourself. Take a screenshot of it, upload it to social media, make sure you tag me. It's at Kylie Camps. And I'm really excited about this podcast. I've got so much cool content coming your way. So thank you for listening. 